Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of those who have achieved the extraordinary, from sports people to business people to social change innovators, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success. Brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, the platform that helps you achieve all your health and fitness goals. Welcome everybody to the show and today I have a very, very special guest, someone who I admire greatly and who I've known for a a number of years, uh, got to work on one of his projects. So today I have Tereda, also known as Andrew Lumsden in in another world and Andrew is uh, just a wonderful personality, obviously very well known in New Zealand, a successful documentary maker, series maker, writer, stage and screen director, a failed gardener as he tells me and an amateur historian. Um, He's presented Six top rating TVNZ New Zealand documentary series from ones like Global Radar to Radar Across the Pacific uh, to Hidden in the Numbers, Homegrown. Um, there's just been a host of successful series that he's been had award winning series actually um, and he is well known throughout the country. He's also very sought after as a, as a speaker. Uh, from multi, multinational corporations to local businesses, and he's done a number of historical. Uh, series. I got to do one to Radar's Checkered Past and be on one of his episodes and it was a whole lot of fun. He's a real character. He's a very eccentric, wonderful person who has made a living out of what he loves doing and what he's very good at. And today we're very, very honoured to have Tirada on the show. So over to Tirada. Alrighty. Right. It's Lisa Tamadi here on Pushing the Limits and today we have wonderful Tia Radar with me all the way from where are you at the moment, mate? I'm in my lounge. You're in your lounge up in Auckland? West Auckland. West Edison. West uh, The wind is blowing, the sun tried to shine, it's trying to rain, but that's spring in Auckland. <laughs> and it looks like you just got out of bed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hat on. <laughs> Sunburned. Yeah, fair enough. Because there was really no, no risk of that, but you can't be too careful. <laughs> no, 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 you can't. And my hair is looking like a fuzzball, but my camera's not working, people, so we're we're going to have to just go with the recording. But hey, I don't. The camera was going to be working. I totally had done my hair. Because <laughs> then it wouldn't have mattered. So how are you, mate? It's really good to see you. Look, I'm pretty good. Just yeah. Literally just got in the house. I'm going to have a, a medical at the doctor. Oh no. It was Kind of pointless. Um, yeah. So, but I think I'm okay. He said, "How are you?" I said, "I'm excellent." He went, "Well, I'll take your blood pressure." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I went to buy some sunglasses, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, issue and that's pretty you know diet sort that out uh, but elevated 
uric acid, which is obviously used oh. to gout and kidney stones. And uh, I can't, this was probably 18 months ago or so. Yep. Uh, doctor said, take these pills, here's the prescription, come back and see me in three months' time. And I think the prescription is still in my car. I um, never <laughs> filled it. I came home, told my wife, she did some research online because uh, she's good like that. And um, just basically had a big diet and lifestyle change. It was running up and the levels were falling. And, 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 and the, what's amazing is the skepticism. Of, you know, when you ring up the nurse and say, hey, I want more results. because all the pills must be working. You say, oh, I, I haven't taken them. <laughs> and I'm really fascinated with that sense of, of, of people's ability or not to change their lifestyles and, and the guidance or help that they do or, or more likely don't get through the health system to... to to enable them to do that. It's really fascinating. So anyway, that's, that's so I'm Whoa. constantly going in to see where my levels are at. In terms without of, the pills. Yeah, without the pills, with the wow. diet change, which has been fantastic. Very, I'm what, now nearly 18 months into it, lost 10 kilos, I didn't know I needed to lose. Wow. There's no balance because at the same time I was also suddenly walking a lot more because I've got a little daughter and I, and I carry her pretty much everywhere she wants to go. <laughs> You know, why wouldn't I? It was a little bit of, a, of an exercise, something drastic, just walking. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly making better choices. Um, uh, I've a lot of meat. I don't drink beer at home. That's the hardest one. Actually, sausages. Oh, you love your, you love your sausage. Yeah. The little breakfast sausage in the hotel buffet. That's probably the hardest thing. Like, I can not drink at home. That's no big deal. But those little... Those little sausages. You know, it's just a couple of days a week at a rest, you know, if you're at conferences and things like that. But it, that's, that's the one that I keep as the thing. If that remains the hardest thing, then everything else is easy. No, that, yeah, and you must have been, um, we must have been on the same wavelength because I've actually the last few podcasts I've been um, sharing a bit of my health journey because I've had a bit of a drama this year and um, had an operation last year, uh, last week, sorry. And um, they, once again, I was told, look, there's no way, you've, oh, in my case, it was all to do with the lady department and they wanted to take it all out. Oh my gosh, and yeah, it's, <laughs> tell me about it. Um, yeah. And uh, they, were gonna, they wanted to rip it all out was you know get rid of all the plumbing it's not working like yeah yeah and I was like no no well yeah I, I was had a leaky faucet that was the problem it just kept you know bleeding and so on too much information but yeah upshot of it was because I've been like you and I've gone no I'm going to get on top of this and I've spent the last I don't know thousands of dollars millions of supplements a hundred consultations and a wee small operation to get rid of one tumour and it looks like I'm good to go it looks like I've beaten the odds it's not easy eh? because people do want to go into a doctor and they want to walk out with a solution in a jar yeah I think, and I think that you know um, I had a close relative recently who had kidney stones very very severe yeah, awful then, yeah, got us very debilitating, caused a lot of issues and trouble. And, um, and I've, I've said to him, you know, have, you, have they sent you to like a, a nutritionist? Because, you know, a lot of the oh. diet but he says, no, no, that I've had, had, no. had anything. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. At the same time, I can understand a weariness of the health system to send people to something like that because probably most people say they're going to change. And don't. And then they don't change. Yeah. It's like drug addiction, you know, in a way. It's, it's, 
changing lifestyle can be really hard for people. Oh, it is. But, you know, I do think that there's like, you know, I had a doctor on last week, an integrated medicine doctor, and I said, you know, why did you go down the integrated route? Because, you know, and she said, well, I was getting frustrated with just prescribing pills and being encouraged just to describe, uh, prescribe pills and not looking at the root problems, always yep. being the band-aid on top of the problem. Um, you know, I think the fam- do a fantastic job if you've got a broken leg or a surgery or you need something like that. But where it comes to chronic diseases or lifestyle changes, um, yeah. that preventative side, it's not sexy, it's not cool really because, you know, like just everyone wants to go to the doctor, get a pill and be fixed and it's a utopia. <laughs> extends back to say early childhood there was a big uh, haha a few years ago about whether or not schools should teach people to cook <laughs> well that's a parent's that's a parent's job and it's like well what if what if no one's taught them or they don't have the skills or, or, or whatever it may be you know it's that sort of ambulance at the at the bottom of the cliff mentality will go we'll let them sort it out themselves and when it doesn't work out for whatever reason then the health system will pick up the, the pieces, the pieces. And, and society pays the bill so it's a Oh yeah, I, I can see a big, big change happening, and and that's what you know. I've been talking a lot of them on my podcast. I've had scientists, I've had researchers, I've had. Oh, you'd have to listen to their episodes on um, epigenetics and all that sort of good stuff that's coming for it to us. Well, DNA, now, yeah. Now the whole yeah, that DNA, what they can figure. Oh out yeah. Three days is, is, is astounding, and then the changes that will come with insurance when you want to go and get some insurance, some medical insurance or something, and they say, well, we want we want your um. Oh, now that's scary. Yeah. That's a scary side of it, yeah. Really, it's, and, and it is, and, and actually, it's, it's quite funny. I also say to people, I know, I think it's one large insurance company in Australia that might own, um, like a loyalty scheme. You know, I think yeah. people through something else, one of those supermarket loyalty schemes. So, what happens if they say we're going to link your supermarket scheme to your insurance profile, and we're going to say, well, you're buying a lot of coke, oh. and that's Big know, Brother. Yeah, well, you know, your other option is you pay a higher premium or we'll monitor you, well, you know, and if nothing flags, you you get a lower premium. I mean, wow. I don't know. I don't know if that is what they'll do, but if I was in that industry... That's what you'd be doing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not in charge because I'd be buggered then. <laughs> the amount of chocolate I buy. Which a lot of people would be. So, but, you know, uh, they're, not, they're, not, they're in the... In the business of making money. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They sure are. It's very hard to, ex- um, you know, afford them in good medical insurance. But we've gotten off on the wrong. I wanted to ask you about you. I wanted to. Well, apart from it's your going. your cholesterol. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. You're fed. You're fabulous to interview because you you talk about. You've had a little girl. Tell us about that journey. What's that been like? Uh, like nothing I could possibly ever have imagined. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, and it'd be good. And it, it's, 
it's, it's taught me a little bit myself about time, actually, about um, and about understanding that her sense of time and wonder is the is the kind of what I often need to go by. I, I remember I was at Mitre Ten once, and we were trying to get she to she to a place where she didn't want to sit in a car seat. You know, I didn't want to argue with her, um, just because I realised that she just wanted to look around. She wanted to see the forklifts and all of that kind of thing. You know, she's never really been to Midas Head all that many times. I'm sick of it. Um, <laughs> and and that sense of, why are we hurrying? We're only going to go home and play with some toys. Really, you know? So why, why not have a look around? You know? And so, uh, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of that sort of difference in time. And, um, and it's a funny kind of markup, you know. They grow so fast. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. And, and just discovering how they know stuff. Before you do half the time, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two going on 13. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Just, and, and, and just, yeah, certainly definitely kind of a, a different kind of, um, of love and appreciation for an individual that I've probably never really experienced before. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah good. So it's been a really interesting, yeah, because for someone like you, I think, because you, you've always maintained a very childlike view of the world. I mean, a very intellectual view, a very uh, enlightened view, but also you, 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 your comedy, your, your, uh, your humour is, is delightfully childlike in some ways, you know. And I, I, I think you'd be the wonderful father because you'd be the one, like, you know, being naughty with a kid probably somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah. It's been interesting. It's been hard and it's been interesting. And it's been hard on my, on my wife because we, we, we look after the whole time. We don't sort of have daycare or, or anything like that. We're really lucky to be able to do that. It's real, it's a, yeah. In this day and age, it's a real privilege, um, but it's not. It's not easy. But then it's not easy working a whole lot of jobs or, you know, a career and having to put your kid into a daycare either. That's, no, you're right there. It's, yeah. um, it's difficult for everyone, but, you know, great. Just a constant sense of terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fear when your little heart is bouncing around outside you somewhere and running around. Yeah. When she wants to climb up something and you can't quite reach, or, or she says with time she runs up a ramp, you hope, oh, I hope you don't fall down that where that thing is over there. Yeah, those all of those all of those fears. <laughs> you literally do become like a superhero. Yeah, with really hard <laughs> And yeah, it's also interesting because we're older, you know, we're friends um, trying to conceive at the same time and they, you know, they, they got told that they couldn't. So there's a real, I think almost in the same week, um, they got told and we found out that we were having uh, a, a little little friend and, yeah, that, that's hard. Yeah. Actually, I think we last time we, uh, I was on your set, actually, on your last series doing a little segment there and we were both discussing, yeah, I'd just lost one at that stage and and we were discussing our journeys a little bit and um, lo and behold, a few months later, one popped out for you guys. That's fantastic, you know. And, and, and see, even that's interesting, you know, talking about that sense of, of what we were talking about earlier around people's health and, and, and oversharing that sense that no one really shares that kind of thing, that it is very yeah. much still a, a very quiet and a very personal Ge- Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
whether people don't who haven't gone through that don't understand or or, or whether it's just you know and suddenly once it happens to you and you start talking to other people when you find out it's happened to them yeah two or three or four times it's it's yeah, yeah, and you have a new appreciation. I mean, for for me and our journey, you know, we 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 weren't lucky enough to to succeed, and and then I've had all these um, health concerns, you know, in the same department, um, and now I'm just like, well, okay, I didn't manage that, but at least I've got to hold keep my bits together. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, the same time as we did, and she's just had a second one that's gone terribly. Horrific. Status update on it the other day because that's how people communicate these days. And it's yep. like, oh, my God, oh my God. Yeah. You know, so there's sense that things can go well, but that's Oh, yeah. They do, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just. I think it's, it's. I think it's really important that we share our journeys, and I've you know been open with my journeys because I, I think you know the more people um, can openly share what they're going through, good, bad, and the ugly, glamorous, not so glamorous. Um, we're all people, and and it's uh, it just it just takes down barriers. I think you know. It's to sh- like the mental health thing. Yep. Know? Oh, absolutely. Like, about that mental health kind of thing, and now everyone's talking about it. Um, you know, and it's out there, and I think there's there's still several other issues to go around around people's kind of you know personal stories that we need to discuss. Well, there's your next TV series, perhaps um, doing something along those lines <laughs> when you when you get out of daily daycare. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. I'm crying. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Raina, let's go back to your um, early days. How did you get into what? I mean, everyone knows you for your TV series, your theatre productions, your God knows you've done everything known to man, radio, everything in media. How did you find your calling in life? Did this just pop up one day? Well, I'm a really funny guy. Everyone thinks I'm funny, so I'm going to <laughs> lack of options. You were studying law back in the day, weren't you? Yeah, a year of law, and then it was made very clear to me by, well, by the exam results that looked up enough to continue a relationship. Um, <laughs> didn't do any work. Um, I remember growing up as a kid and watching documentaries like Foreign Correspondent Beyond 2000 and I was sitting on my parents' couch, you know, on a dairy farm in the Waikato and just thinking, I would love to be able to do that, I'd love to go do what those those reporters did. And there was all these, particularly around, I wanted to be a war correspondent because there was all these unanswered questions I had, like how do people live? Do people live on a day-to-day basis in these places like Afghanistan, which was, there was a war there at the time in the 80s and um, ironically enough, here we are <laughs> the years later and still, still a war there. How do they live on a day so I had all these things. So I'd always thought about wanting to get into documentaries. Um, did a little bit of sort of debating and, and comedy speaking at high school a couple of times. Um, uh, went down to do Lord Otago and that didn't work out. So I ended up doing drama, thinking I might be a playwright or something like that. Or Yes, yeah, I can relate to that. I'm still too young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then sort of one thing led to another, and I was sort of, I always had a bit towards the, the comedic, and I'd always had the sense that I wanted to use comedy to, to tell serious stories. Um, and then I was it happened to be roped into a, um, a comedy group with a guy called Duncan Sarkis, who ended up writing Scarfies, and uh, Jesse Griffin, who's a well-known comic, um, and a guy called Aaron Watson, who was um, uh, did a lot of comedy and stuff like that and we won a university comedy, comedy hop and the very first gig that we ever did um, which was amazing uh, 
I've been kind of chasing the dragon of that ever since because we had, you know, there was a massive standing ovation, people went crazy, and I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever, we're going to be legends. Um, <laughs> we basically then stood in a circle with the four of us for the rest of the evening, going, what just happened? I don't know what happened, what just happened? Because we're all pretty much socially incompetent. <laughs> and then sort of went off there, they all went off and all sort of had careers, um, and I didn't do anything, so I sort of started doing stand up. I didn't really know what stand up was at the time, this was back in the 90s. It was around, but I never really paid attention to it yep. um, but I, I started doing it because I had really literally um, a lack of options and, and, and I discovered that I could be paid money to turn up and talk it's brilliant isn't it yeah and I often say to people people say what do you do I say I read aloud for a living um, I do a lot of wood science and corporate stuff at the moment because um, reading aloud was I think I was about seven in primary school and there was a school production and uh, they wouldn't let me in choir because I couldn't sing so they went ah, you can be the narrator uh, which was sort of this you know, go off and do that. Yeah. And some guy went, hey, this is actually the best of all of the roles because you're the, you're the central dude. Um, and it was just reading aloud and it, I was good at it. And I think it was probably the first thing I was ever good at. And now here I am 40 odd Something so, years later, yeah. Reading aloud. Um, <laughs> and getting so paid for it. At the time of the 90s, well, there was a lot of comics, particularly in the UK, being picked up to do docos and the front programs. And um, I thought that's... So doing stand-up was always, for me, a gateway to something else um, but it's a I would challenge myself it's, it's an, probably the best thing I did was I'm really terrible at writing material can't sit down really and write I'm really I'm a procrastinator yep no, I'm lazy I'm a, I'm lazy and a procrastinator and a perfectionist um, so nothing gets done and it takes you a long time to get there <laughs> and so I would challenge myself to go on stage with no material wow um, and just use, and did a lot of improv and made stuff up and I never really wrote it down. I would just work on it in my head during the week and come up and just refine it in that kind of live environment. And I think that was, for what I do now and continue to do, the best training I could possibly have done because I'm constantly being thrown into circumstances for which you... You can't you know, prepare. ...really help. And it's just, it is just that kind of being able to just get into that zone and and channel whatever happens in an appropriate and, and humorous manner. So, you know, it's I, I, I didn't play it like that, but, but looking back at it and analysing it, probably the best thing. So it's playing, playing to your strengths, really. I mean, obviously, you weren't, you're, like me, I'm not a planner. Uh, I'm not a preparer. I, you know, I swap for 10 minutes before something and then bang, here she goes. <laughs> uh, and and that be, being that, it means you're quick in the mind. We have to be quick in the mind to adapt to the situation at hand and, and to be able to. But this is a really hard business to be in. How did you get a start? Like, I think one of your first gigs was going to East Timor. Was that right? Yeah, that was when I first made, that was my first doco, actually. Yeah. And went back to that sense of wanting to be a war correspondent. And um, I just, the, the war in Timor came up and it was 99, late 99, I think it was. And, um, I basically just told people in the bar at the classic, um, the comedy bar, and I said, I'm going to go and make a I'm going to go and fight the war. People lent me some home video cameras, and uh, I convinced Aaron, who was in Spleen with me. Um, I think he was he was just about to go off to the UK and become a contact tour guide. I convinced him to come with me, uh, and we just blagged our way over. Really, um, wow. The, our only ID was a laminated TVNZ visitors pass, which is partially got when you visited TVNZ. Uh. I told the UN that I, mean, I was a visitor from New Zealand television. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so, and that, yeah, that, that, because when I, when I did drama at university, and I'd done a big tour of Canada and all that kind of stuff since then, before this, so the stand-up was going really well. Um, 
and I also made a decision to I'd been to the UK and then I made a decision to come back um, because there were opportunities happening here and I could be a big fish in a small pond and I don't know what would have happened if I'd stayed in the UK but uh, you know so all of that stuff was going and then there was that sense of of doing travel that we we had a course down there where you very much made your own work you 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 decided what do I want to do how do I get that on yep. we were proactive as opposed to being reactive and that's an interesting one particularly around the acting thing a lot of actors in a way are kind of reactive because they've got to wait for someone to give them a role yeah a role yeah whereas we were very proactive technical stand because it's just you and you can organise your own tours you can just find places you can do these gigs so there was always this sense of, of trying to challenge and create different kinds of work I can't remember whether I'd already won a Billy T by then I think I I don't know whether I had I might have done so I was pretty established as a stand up but then this, this sort of um, East Timor thing came up and so we blagged over and made a sort of a doco about that um, and then we did something about the gathering I think and the one thing it, it's hard to even piece how things yeah it, it just rolls from one to but back in like 99 like technology was in a different place so back oh, then oh, you had to have the big cameras I remember I did my two little yeah two little home yeah and that was good enough for TV? What's that? It was good enough for television? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you had obviously sound men and producers. Would, people would accept it. Um, so what I did with it was I, I ended up cutting a, a, a 45 or 50 minute documentary about it and then I performed it live. And so wherever the voiceover was, I would do that voiceover live as wow. a live show as opposed to putting it out as a film and I haven't I still haven't really put it out as a film it's there it's all, I've got one little bit in the middle that I need to fix up because um, it was where I kind of stopped and explained a thing that happened but I should actually put it out as a film yeah great. it's a great film well hell yeah it'd be a bit of a historical document right now wouldn't it you know it's funny actually just last night because oh, I'm, I'm being given a, um, an honorary master's oh <laughs> thank you wow those people out there who have worked for this yeah. I'm very sorry about that uh, <laughs> and so I've got to send some stuff down and I was actually going through my some of my limited archives um, last night I found there was an interview uh, Aaron and I then after Timor a couple of years later went to Israel um, and tried to find the war over there with equally equally little success and um, I was just looking I was watching this but we, we tried to find yes Arafat in Ramallah uh, we went around I read about and, that Arafat yep. I just actually put it up again last night you have a, have a look oh at, um, for real club where we would walk around trying to find Arafat's house um, <laughs> I should do he was at the house arrest he was going to be home um, <laughs> it wasn't going anywhere. You know, and you forget about all of these little things. So how, you actually got to speak to him, didn't you? You did, you did an interview with him. So how that... that asked me a question. It was, hey. Yeah, it was a long process as well. It's a convoluted sort of process that isn't really sort of seen in a particular club, but he does turn up and... Um, Fantastic. Yeah, and then probably the, the, that big break was, uh, I did the intrepid journey, finally went to Mali, great time. Mal um, was over there, and then Marcus Lush was supposed to present a program where he lived in a field and didn't die. Um, and couldn't do it. And so they said, who do we not really care about all that much? <laughs> <laughs> to the field, and there's radar. Um, thanks to, to, to Jane and Mal at, um, at Jam TV, who, who made intrepid journeys and other things. And I've known Mal since pop comedy and various other things and they went hey what, what about this guy and that bank was the network and, wow. and that was the, that program I think went on to become that's, often, and it was one of the top ratings yeah I remember that was, 
Because so that's really key. So you got some, you know, you, you you had some backing and got managed to get a bit of a name on in the TVNZ world or in the TV world in New Zealand, um, and that really because it's really really hard. Speaking from someone who's you know done, I've done what have I done? Eight or nine documentaries now. It's bloody hard. Well, yeah, but they haven't been on the TV and so much, you know. They've been in other places, but it's really blimmin' hard to get it through that front door, you know. It's actually become harder. Um, yeah. Even within the last 12 to 18 months. Yep. Months, a friend of mine yesterday who's a doggo producer, and I saw Jane actually from Canada the other day, um, and it's become even harder. Even harder. Now, because oh. until there's a culture change, I think it, it Oh, you grow terrible. Those big reality shows. Yeah. The reason I can understand why they're doing it, the reason is very simple. Because with everyone time shifting, they need to compete with programs that people have to watch in the moment that night. Because the next day, for example, Media Works TV3, you know, their radio stations will be talking about it, the social media. Ah, yep. Open the Herald app without a story coming up about that. So you have to kind of watch those programs. Ah, that's the reason behind that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, say, something I just had a history series on, um, you don't need to watch that in real time. No. You can, you can you can stream it and binge watch that at any stage. So what happens to that advertising revenue? So until I think until there's a change in that cultural TVZ because they are you know the, the national broadcaster, yeah. they do move to that sense of going back to really your focus is, is and this has to be a government dictate because at the moment they're, they're, they're dictators, you have to make money, you got to make profit. Yep. They call between a rock and a hard place. You know, avenue revenues are declining. Uh, sorry, advertising revenues are declining, or, or lots and lots of issues. Until they have a dictator or a mandate to say you must reflect New Zealand as a society and showcase lots of stuff about us, then they're kind of stuck, really. So it's not just yeah. So it is. I mean, it is all commercially driven, and I mean now. I mean, the world's changing faster than than any of us can keep up with, um, and then the the way that things are being streamed, the, the TV on Z on demand. I know with your producer Alex, we looked at doing um, a short uh, TV and Z on demand sort of eight minute thing, but we couldn't get it off the ground. Um, all of that sort of stuff is now. You see, like you know, we're talking about Mighty Team before when you're going in there. I was thinking, been watching all those, binge watching all those little eight minute uh, renovation series oh great they're fantastic um, and that's what for people in the, in, the, in the industry there's no money in a lot of that kind of stuff yeah the whole, the whole business model has changed so mm. yeah, I mean, it's interesting um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm lucky in that if everything stopped tomorrow like I, I do a lot of corporate stuff at the moment I do a lot of stuff in the rural sector but if everything stopped I I could probably um, well, in fact I would I would tour a live show around about that eating the dog history show yep. which turned into the chicken pass that you yeah. mentioned um, and we're looking at writing another one and there's another one I want to write on the New Zealand walls I would look at writing another one of those I could have a model that I could just tour there three or four days a week for the whole year for the so that's a pretty unique combination of skills to be able to turn something that's TV based or you know documentary based or series based into a live show. I mean, I, I can't even comprehend. So, yeah, it came from the live show, turned into the, into the TV thing, ah. and then there was a whole lot of stories that were generated making the TV thing and then taking it back to putting into the live into the live shows. Um, but then again, that goes back to that initial thing of creating your own work. If everything stopped, what what? What do I love doing and how can I make that happen? And I love going to little provincial halls all around New Zealand, war memorial halls and school halls and doing these shows and telling stories that I really, really love. Um, 
to audiences who really enjoy them. Yeah. So there is that sense of ongoing. That's it. Always, always being able to go, what's that next thing? Should everything fall apart? And and it's funny, you know, you start doing a lot of corporate work um, to make to pay people yeah. well, yeah. to make money to do the art, and then suddenly you find yourself doing so much of the corporate work. There's no time to do do the, the arts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you've got to make time for that. We, I've actually got a few weeks off at the moment. Um, we're looking to really nail down a, um, a new show on the history of um, intoxication in New Zealand. <laughs> That'll be a great show. Um, you know, um, various other ways the public were intoxicated, uh, which is great. You know, and just great New Zealand stories. Because uh, I really love history. I was a terrible history student, but the thing about history is that it's, it's ours and it's, it's, it is the equal of any, anywhere else in the world the stories are great you don't have to make anything up you just got to find the story yeah. figure out a way to tell them it's really entertaining um, and then you know eating the dog there is uh, there are stories in that that came from a show called He Taught that was funded by the Christchurch Arts Festival in Naitahu 15 years ago maybe slightly longer the yep. civil tower I've told them hundreds of times never get sick of them yep. because they're great stories so, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah. So you, you, I mean, you're multi-skilled, obviously, and not everyone has that advantage. But yeah, I, I can totally relate. The corporate gigs are what pays the bills, and then you, you know, like for me, even like this podcast is a passion. You know, I love it. I love to I get to be able to talk with people like yourself. I get to learn. Uh, you know, it's totally um, for me a new way of expressing, a new way of learning. You're out there. The technology's all available to us now, and it's great. And it's terrifying at the same time because things go wrong but it's funny you know and it's all to do with you know people say it's, it's building their personal brand yeah 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 it is but actually you know it's, it, it's funny I just go back to what you said that sense that you can get to talk to people these really interesting people and that was what I probably loved the most about the TV thing when you could go and just say I want to go and talk to that person mm. you make me a series you go who's interesting who do we want to go and talk to and it's kind of funny, you know, I do a lot of awards nights and I made all these series where we, you know, we, we, we were in this bubble of people who were just doing amazing things. It's great to be in there. Oh, yeah. The, the, the achievers, yes. Yeah. Wow, we're surrounded actually by all these amazing people. So it's good. It is, yeah. And, and there is, I mean, there's, you know, it's great to be able to participate and, and to be, yeah, because I think a lot of people in their nine to five are surrounded by people who are negative, you know, and... Uh, Social media. Oh. It's not even your nine to five. It's, it's your it's your wake up to, to, to sleep. It's it's the it's going waking up and, and there's the social media and going yep. to sleep and there's the social media and I, actually it's funny I was at my agent's office the other day and they've got like a whole team of people now who do social media for people. They said, What's your social media strategy? And I went, <laughs> My social media strategy is not gonna get off social media. <laughs> find it really toxic and time wasting. Oh yeah. It's funny, it's a different it's my... I said, What do we used to do? It's we bloody Facebook and we must have done something but it is it, it's huge though yeah that's that, that huge change as this thing has come in and people are getting used to it and we're seeing a bit of feedback around that now so. do you have to you know like you know like you and I are some similar generation you're a bit younger than me but um, yeah it's, it's it's a big change for me to be able to adapt and I you know I have to adopt these strategies and these technologies and this social media even though it drives me absolutely insane do you, are you you know you, you're, you're so well established and you're so such a big name in New Zealand do you, can you get away with not doing all that crap yeah I think you probably could <laughs> yeah you, you know I think you right. <laughs> 
Uh, was he with you disappeared or not because you weren't on Instagram look I I think you can but but again it's all about curation it's it's, it's how you curate those feeds and how you you understand how the algorithms drive various things towards you and and it's like going into a life it's like the analogy I use is people who say um, I don't watch TV it's nothing I wouldn't watch TV it's, it's all crap it's like walking into a library going I don't read books I hate books it's not books worth watching <laughs> yeah you know actually there's some amazing things out there it's how you you know yeah, yeah. Um, and social media I think is the same there's been some fantastic um, uh, networks and things that you can you can have out there and, and just come you know it would be the same in the, in the athletics world you know there are some people who, who you are really really helpful really great there's a whole lot of other people who are just a, a negative or a detrimental influence on people. So you just sort of block them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I've really ever blocked anyone, but um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that You're thing. too kind. Also, <laughs> the other opportunity around that is actually the ability to create things like this, you know? Yeah. The people who it only takes one person to listen to one thing like this and have their life changed or to be inspired. And I, I spend a lot of time listening to a lot of podcasts and things like that. I love it. Yep. And that ability to just to listen to anything, watch anything on demand um, these days is, oh. is amazing. I mean, that's what I mean. That's why I got hooked into podcasting because I was ho- hooked on podcasts, and it's my university. I carry it in my pocket. I'm learning. If I have to drive somewhere, it's going constantly. My brain is being expanded by the top experts in the world in certain areas, and it's just um, a- a fascinating for me. And and you know what? You go around the streets, and because New Zealand is slow to adopt to these sort of things, and people don't even know what a podcast is still. And I'm like, seriously, guys. This is your biggest, you know, educational tool, entertainment, <laughs> and it's fantastic. And There's some really interesting um, studies around uh, the difference between listening to music and listening to podcasts, for example. Um, you know, just that, that ability to, I guess, you know, self-improve um, oh. as opposed to switching off in a way when you listen to music. Mm. There's a guy at a conference I was hosting every day. He said, you know, I used to listen to music. I'd listen to all this music. I'd go into the office and then he said, I'd change. I started really, you know, listening to podcasts. So you'd be immediately, you'd be inspired and you'd have something really interesting to think about for the course of the day. So, yeah, so, and then there's an art, another one was a New Zealand artist who, um, I think probably infuriates the art world because he was really scientific about what he did. Like he went and looked at um, and listened to all these podcasts about neuro programming and how people's eyes react to things and what they want to see. And wow. Mathematical model for what had to be in a particular oh. And you never know. It's great, great, amazing art. But they're, they're very, very, you have to have this and you have to have that and it's all in there based wow. upon how the brain responds to things. And so it's, it's yes. It is, yeah, it is really fascinating. And I think, you know, um, like like for someone like you, I mean, if I look back at your body of work over the last twenty odd years, you know, you've there's, there's some themes running through it. You have some serious topics and behind your humour, you have um, obviously a strong bent for sustainability. You obviously have a love of culture. You have a love of New Zealand history. You have a love of travel. Um, so, is this an opportunity for you also to have a you know the air quotes uh, impact on the world and and you know uh, influence the world in a positive way your body of work is that do you see that as being an important part of your legacy well <laughs> so, 
silence. Probably, I probably, <laughs> yeah, I probably hope that is the case, and I know that it is. You know, people still come up, and, and it's kind of funny. Uh, I say to people, um, they, you know, when you have to see those bios through the conferences, and I say, you know, you see those most. Um, uh, most unsuccessful television garden um, <laughs> with the off the radar series. It was that was some appalling garden. Uh, I, I, I had some amazing conversations with people, and there was one that stuck out at the um, there was a spring fair, I think, down in, one in Oxford or something like that, or spring fair or something. This woman came up to me and said, "You're a terrible television garden." And I said, oh, "Yeah, yeah, I really am." She goes, "I just want to, she said, I want to thank you because before I watched the show, I thought I was the one with the problem, and then I watched it and I realised actually." You know, things don't have to be perfect. You can plant things and they die, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you are having a go, and, and, and as you said, I changed my whole way of thinking about the way I did things in my garden. Whether it was building a fence, it wasn't as good as the neighbour's fence, but I built that fence myself. So that was really nice. That sense of empowering people to just get out there and have a go. Um, and certainly, you know, you know, with the New Zealand history stuff, being able to tell stories and having people come up going, you know, what I didn't think because people still do this. It's amazing. It's amazing. I didn't think you said on head of your history. And, you know, I can change my mind. I said, oh my God. <laughs> and I can understand that. You, 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 we, don't sell, we don't celebrate our history. No. About our history. We don't, you know, and there's a lot. I, I think until you can understand where you've come from, it's very difficult to get to progress into the future, which is why I'm, I'm pretty keen on doing that New Zealand war show, which will be difficult and controversial, but at the same time, some really bonkers things happened. Yeah. Um, and you say, you know, it's the same thing happening. I want to do a, like a, an entertaining and comedic version of the New Zealand wars. And people go, how can you do that? It was the same as when I said I wanted to be New Zealand's um, first comedy war correspondent. Yeah. And the comedy didn't come from what I was seeing. The comedy came from the fact that I wasn't a particularly good war correspondent. Yeah. I mean, I went to two places who couldn't find the war on the combat zone. And I think like people love seeing someone bumble along, you know. I, I, that, that that number eight Y mentality that's disappearing in our culture, and that that um, I'll have a go, you know. And 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 I, know I love that. I mean, I'm all for that because I just bumble along in everything I'm doing and just um, have a crack and throw mud at the wall. And some of it sticks, and some of it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good way to go, you know. Like, and what's what's what impresses me with you is that you've managed to stick to your passions and not have to you know go into the corporate setting you you've you've followed a very what would normally for me for most people a very difficult and obscure path um like you say
comes back towards me. Yep. Um, and again, you know, all those sort of skills and all of that little, those little bits and pieces. So it is interesting. I did not think that I would be end up doing like ninety five percent of my work as as corporate gigs and yeah, 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 yeah. And keynote addresses, and I was a really bonkers keynote address. I was in an architecture conference once, and I was like, I was talking about the thing. They went, "Oh no, you're doing the opening keynote on your reactions to New Zealand architecture." <laughs> And I really, I was really happy with that presentation. It's, it's made me think about things for a very long period of time. So, but but again, it's, it's still exactly the same. I'm still telling the same stories. I'm still doing all the same kind of things. But it's just that you know, people say, "Do you still do stand up?" And I go, "Not, not so much." But, yeah, but I do it literally every. Every night at the at a corporate gig, yeah. You know, whether it's a stormwater conference or yep. a conservation conference or um, concrete awards, whatever it may be, it's still the same skill set. Um, it's still the same thing. I don't think that I've really had to compromise. No. You know, because even say in the history show, uh, one of the ones who have been there for years is one of the most things that people most often say is they come up afterwards and go, I just really want to say, it's Notice he didn't swear once during that show. Beautiful. So well, no, because I want it to be, I want kids to be able to bring their, their well, people to bring their kids and their grandparents, and they can all sit there and they can all enjoy this show. There's nothing wrong with family, family entertainment where you can sit down and hear these amazing stories about New Zealand, and the kids go, oh, wow, I didn't know that happened, and granddad could go, oh, yeah, I actually died. I think it's, again, it's, the, 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 that's been a deliberate choice as well. Um, yeah, no. Uh, and again, you know, they said it all goes back to their sense of what do I really want to do? What do I want to do? How do I make what I want to do happen? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great lesson for anyone listening out there who's a, you know like a creative or a sports person or or uh, it doesn't matter if you if you want to go your own route and your own become your own person for better for worse you know for rich or for poor so so to speak there is ways of doing it if you think outside the box you know yeah. um, and particularly now you know uh, look at um, it was a classic example is uh, the guy that does the daddy the daddy videos oh yeah isn't he lovely yeah he's cool amazing. I love it amazing you know yeah. he was a dude dad very funny videos <laughs> they got picked up I think he's doing you know yeah. uh, making he's a making a career yeah he's a whole career out of it yeah, yeah you know, uh, and people can do that I've got friends who who got picked up overseas uh, I think their podcast was they watched Sex in the City once a week, every week, for a year, <laughs> talked about it or talked about various other things to do with it. So Something you know, obscure. Amazing. <laughs> um, you know, so it, no, just these ideas and this ability to harness the technology, uh, you know, and you know the same thing. If you said to someone, I'm going to go run a marathon in Antarctica, <laughs> you know, yep. there'll be someone who goes, that's a great idea. How can I help? Yep. And you just got to tell enough people and have enough. Oh, yeah. You know, we were all to have the naysayers. There's always going to be naysayers. Oh, you have to You have to be brutally uh, persistent. You know, like uh, any any route where you're trying to find your own career and make your own way, unless you're one of these super lucky ones that just rolls on into it. But yep. for most people, it is 10 years of hard work before you're finally discovered. There's been times where I wanted to just stop. Yeah. So I couldn't do it. Times where I just thought I'd lost the lost the phone and understand why I was doing it really yeah yeah bad times yeah um, 
horrible times. I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, well, it gives you – and you've gotten through those, you know, and you come out the other way and you've found your passion again. Lack of options. <laughs> yeah, that's always – that's my, my, driving, my, my driving motivation mostly too. <laughs> you know, yeah, you do, and you just, sometimes it just takes that person to put, you know, give you that bit of perspective. And, um, I think one of the best pieces of advice from I was somewhere once and I was, had the glums and my wife said, just go for a walk, go to the beach, go for a walk, get some fresh air. But I think, I think walking is massively underrated as a, as a mental health. Oh, thing. Totally. You know, um, totally. Switching off and just walking, just looking at stuff and, and paying attention to little things. And, but, and, you know, and breathing, you know, like I think you just every single day, and this is part of what I teach, you know, the mindset stuff that I teach is all about, you know, finding that balance. Yeah, I like I work extremely hard, but then I go out and I'll just sit and stare at the and see for half an hour or go for a walk on the beach or go and pick daisies it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be a sporting challenge it's just being out in nature and uh, communing with nature on a daily basis you know it grounds me again and I come back and I pull myself together and then I get back into it you know yeah, yeah. but and definitely you know it's, 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 if anyone thinks it is easy it's, 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 it's not it doesn't just happen and you know I think you just need to live but you, you need to be nice to people and, and just uh, uh, you know keep joy it's got to be, you know, life is too short you know God, oh, we're at an age now we're you know? <laughs> yeah, we're too, too old to, um, you know, do something we don't want to be doing anymore. Right, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure out how close I am to retirement. <laughs> yeah. What do I have to do? Oh, how many millions have you got in the bank yet? You know, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's Probably in Henderson. <laughs> Hell of a lot more than the one in New Plymouth probably, mate. Wow. <laughs> I can't understand how people, you know, if that's something that we get to face, what's going to happen with all of that. Yeah. And that economy. And again, that's that, that future-proofing of things. You know, as I say, people are still going to want to celebrate stories and they still want to, want to laugh no matter what the economy is doing. Comedy tends to do. Do know, well, yeah. Because people want escapism. Yeah, exactly. So what's your what's your next big project coming up apart from, um, you know, looking after a little one? Yeah, she's uh, just woken up, I think, actually. Oh, she, is she screaming yet? <laughs> oh, no, she was not. Uh, I'll go and look after you. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably going to go run around the seat. Oh, we've got these ducks that come. We feed the ducks every day. And they, come, they, walk, they walk from, I don't even know where they live. Sometimes there's like seven of them, and we feed them. Um, and at the moment, she's trying to make them fly away, but they're too fat. They just wash as a two-year-old child chases ducks in the circles around the lawn. Fantastic. Um, yeah, and then we're working on a, a, a show about intoxication. Um, so kind of that sense again that, um, you know, moonshine, the moonshine is down in the South Island, and <laughs> opium things, all of these, you know, great New Zealand stories. Because, yeah. Constantly looking for stuff and, and scripting it up, but we've got ourselves a deadline of a festival down in Dunedin and then um, the comedy festival next year just to generate some, some new things. Young Farmer of the Year is happening again next year, that's the 50th, and I, I did that, hosted all of that this year, which is like super, like one of the great rural institutions. Totally. And again, 20 years ago, I said, what, what comedian is going to be? You know, Mr. Rural. <laughs> <laughs> doing all this work in the, in the provinces. It wasn't, wasn't going to be you, but although you did grow up on a farm, didn't you? I grew up on a farm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, at some stage, I do want to get my sort of my magnum opus of this um, New Zealand Wars project. 
Yeah. As well as then figuring out, you know, I still want to travel, still want to go overseas, still want to make some stuff. I'm going to figure out what that is. But um, at the moment, it's, it's spending as much time as I can with little friend because she's only going to be two. Yeah. She's only going to be three once. And she's only going to be four once. And, um, yeah. No, no, and, and dedicating dedicating the time, eh? Like family's number one, really, at, at yep. the end of the day. That's why you're doing it. And that's what I keep reminding myself too, you know, at the end of the day. When I'm rushing around and I haven't got time for my family or my husband or whatever, and then I go, hang on, what am, who am I doing this for? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's important. It's funny, I've got this sort of um, weird month where, where nothing is happening, which is really unusual, um, but I've got all the stuff that I do need to do, and it's kind of, as much as you go, oh, I should be doing something. There is there is stuff here. I'm going to build a gate. I've got some box gardens to build, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to clean my garage. Uh, I've just managed to get into Alex, the German producer. I just got rid of all this firewood yesterday that was on my trailer that I didn't know what to do with. So I invited him around for a meeting. Went, hey, he wants some firewood, Alex. So <laughs> oh. my trailer's in junk. Go to the tip. So that's what I'm doing. Oh, say hi to Alex for me. Yeah, he's 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 lovely. Last time I went, we would try to get that project, and then I met him on. Uh, on the flight over to Nepal, where I was going over to do the world's highest highest marathon, that turned into a disaster, mate. I got all the way over there, a year and a half in the planning, documentary crew, the whole works, and then I got altitude sickness when I got tough there. <laughs> it's hard, eh? It was harsh. Yeah, it's, it's hard because not only is it affecting you, but then you're also thinking all of these people have been oh. this effort and this money. Yeah. Altitude sickness, there's nothing you can do about no. it. All the prep in the world is not going to stop. No something like that happening that's just and the the younger the younger silly me would have tried to go out and do it anyway and probably killed themselves the older wiser me went "Mm, I'll come back to find another day have a big cry and get on with it yeah you know, and that's that's a that's a story in and of itself as well. You know, that that ability to go, hey, we've got all the way to this thing, and then something happens, and then how do I deal with? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know spectacular so. failures. They're a great part. They're a great thing to talk about. <laughs> My entire career. <laughs> oh mate, look, it's been awesome. Thank you very much, Raider, for being on the show. It's uh, a real pleasure, and you're such a an icon for New Zealand, and uh, certainly a role model for me. I'm going to follow you. I want to follow you. My little princess got up. We're going to go and play outside. Oh, sounds awesome. Give us a look at her. Yes. <laughs> hey. Hello, buddy. Hello, little Audrey. Oh, my gosh. She's beautiful. She is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> go outside. Go and, some fruit. Go and feed the ducks. She has fruit platters that make me so jealous. I just want to eat her fruit platters. Oh, no. Dad can't do that, can he? Can't eat your fruit platter. We've got some strawberries to go and cut. <laughs> All righty, mate. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time and, and uh, keep in touch. Will do. Take care. Okay, bro. Bye. Bye. Wanted to let you guys know about my new Mindset Academy. It's called The Path of an Athlete, and it's all about how to develop mental toughness, resilience, leadership skills, how to overcome those limiting beliefs, those self-doubts that we all have, and how you can achieve your dreams and fulfill your potential. So head on over to lisatamati.co.nz forward slash e-course to find out all about it and get involved. You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.